Compass and Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Mike Adams of Adams Financial Concepts. Mike is no stranger to long-term investments. Not only has he managed security portfolios since the last century, he and his wife Pamela have been married for over 40 years. Mike is very active in the community, serving on various boards and volunteering his time and expertise to nonprofits. And he was recently added to the Leadership Trust Board of Directors for business journals around the country. On Saturdays at noon, you can tune into Mike's weekly radio show about money, which airs in Seattle on KLFE 1590 AM, or go to his podcast page. Lastly, The Money Show draws, draws over 10,000 people at various times, and Mike is one of the featured speakers. Today, Mike and I are going to talk about how COVID-19 can be the Pearl Harbor of the next couple of decades, specifically as it affects the research and development in the field of biology, robotics, and energy. Mike, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Mary. I appreciate being on the show. appreciate being able to share. And by the way, coming this Saturday will be 52 years of marriage. Wow, we're going to have to update that bio, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I guess it's been a few years since I've done that. Yeah. So um, why don't we just jump right in, Mike, and why don't you tell us about Pearl Harbor and what changes in our economy and lifestyle came out of World War II, please? So if you look at what's happened, no one expected the pandemic, and yet it has the potential to be what I call the Pearl Harbor moment. Mm -hmm. During Pearl Harbor, when we went into the war, we had a lot of, lot of areas which we had underdeveloped in research and development. We had aircraft that needed to be updated and evaluated. We had artillery that didn't work as well. Actually, we pulled our, the artillery, all the artillery, I'll get the word right, Mm -hmm. uh, horse drawn. But coming out of World War II, something happened because during World War II, women were used to mend the factories. That's a terrible word to use, huh? Women used to mend the factories, but women did move into the factories. And that was a lifestyle change because those women didn't just go home after the war, they continued to work. And that was a complete different lifestyle. When the men came home from the fighting lines and some of the women as well, there was education. And that led to a much higher education, educated populace. And for the, the housing market, there was homes that were being built. We built the interstate highway system. 
and transportation changed. We moved from getting around the country in buses to getting around the country in airplanes. And of course that meant building airports. All that happened. But in addition to that, it's what John Kenneth Gilbreth called the military industrial complex. Eisenhower called it that as well. Because a lot of research that was done during World War II had a huge impact on business because it was moved from the military to business. With COVID, no one expected a little virus to have such a huge impact. And it's had a huge impact in biology, in physics, and in several areas, robotics and energy. We should talk about those. Yes, so, so with Pearl Harbor, in summary, you saw, we saw a surge, and they called it the industrial, how did, what was the phrase? Military industrial complex. So now we have COVID-19 happening. So how does that apply, what you've just discussed with us, to our current pandemic? So if you look back, the 18th century, or the 19th century, the 1800s, were a century of chemistry, oil, and aluminum, and steel. The 20th century, this last century that was completed in the 1900s, was a century of physics. We saw flight. We saw electronics, like with a computer. We saw the internal combustion engine. If you look at the 21st century, what we're seeing now is a century of biology. We've seen tremendous strides made in healthcare, but it goes beyond healthcare. When you think about a company like Blue Marble, Blue Marble has taken the bacteria from the stomach of a whale and this bacteria from the stomach of a cow created a new bacteria and they're producing petroleum products. It took bacteria millions of years to make oil in the ground. It takes Blue Moon just a few days to produce petroleum products. We're seeing that across a wide variety of bioengineered products. And it's only the beginning. We're just at the very beginning. If you think of the computer industry in the, in the 1960s and 1970s, the big, huge computers, and today we have a cell phone that has more computing power than those huge computers, we're seeing the same thing in biology. It's going to be an explosive opportunity for investment. But it's not just in biology. Other areas are also ready to explode. So um, you and I were having this conversation and there were different areas. You felt it was biology, robotics, and energy. So you just told us a little bit about um, what you meant by biology. So why don't we go a little deeper into the field of robotics then, please? So it's Japan that's really leading the, the world in robotics. Japan has a significant problem because as their population gets older, they need more caregivers, but they do not bring in people from outside the country. They feel that they need 4 million caregivers in the next less than 10 years to service their elderly population. And so they've been working on robotics. They now have robots that can actually pick up a, an elderly person out of the bed, take them to the toilet and toilet them. They have robotic robots that will actually deliver your medication. They have robots that will get you up out of bed and walk you. And even 
because robots, if you think of R2-D2 or seeds, uh, they're metal and they're not very cuddly. They have robots that are actually, actually robots that you can cuddle with. They're furry. They're, they'll talk to you. They'll coo with you. They'll, they'll cuddle with you. So this is an area in which we're just seeing the very beginning. They're building robots that have greater flexibility than human beings, robots that can lift more, that can actually perform and even play the violin. We're seeing huge strides made in Japan, but we're going to see that worldwide. It's moving from the assembly line into the human thing. Seeing Star Wars and C-3PO and R2-D2 is not such an imaginary thing anymore. It's happening and it's going to continue to happen. So before we um, go into the third area, which is energy, what you're saying is some of these things were probably um, being discussed in boardrooms and being discussed in research and development, but because of the pandemic we've just been through over the last 15 months, um, their plans have escalated, so to speak. There's a need for it to be pushed forward faster. Am I understanding that correctly? Correct. Think about what's, what's gone on with the pandemic and think about the, the actual hospitals and the ventilation and the isolation and the PPE that was needed for human beings. Think of what can be done if a lot of that is done by robots. And yeah, it's not as personal as it is, but a lot of those duties could have been done by robotics. They could have taken care of people, they could monitor people, and in many ways, done a lot better job than human beings can do. All of that is a potential for investment for investors. And the same applies to when we were speaking about biology. Um, I, yes. I, I believe the, some of the vaccines were things that had been worked, been in the process. They were being developed, but there was no urgent need for it. So then the pandemic hit and obviously that escalated also. And am I correct on what You're I'm correct. Okay. That's, that's been a huge change that's happening and continuing to happen and will get further acceleration, both private funding and government funding. So now let's um, talk about the field of energy because that's a big one. So tell us a little bit more about what you see and what you mean of how um, the pandemic has um, affected energy um, going forward. So energy is the largest industry in the world. Uh, when you think about media, what we're talking on and a podcast on radio and movies, magazines, newspapers, the internet, all those things, the total industry is a little over $1 trillion a year. Energy is $10 trillion a year. It's the largest industry. The oil industry is the, in fact, the most powerful industry of the world. They move things. But BP has done, a has done their forecast and I believe they're correct when they say that we are living at peak oil. Well, energy needs will continue to grow, and especially in emerging nations, that oil will become less and less a part of that. 
BP is forecasting that oil, which is currently 50% of our oil furnishing 50% of energy needs, by the year 2040 or 50, oil will only account for less than 10% of energy that's generated. We're seeing a huge movement toward climate change and green energy. We're seeing a huge change in electric vehicles. One manufacturer after another manufacturer is announcing more electric vehicles. My guess is that by 2030 or 2040, what we will see is that the internal combustion engine will be special order. Everyone will be driving electric vehicles. They're more efficient, they're less maintenance, and it's less pollution into the atmosphere. And yes, we'll clean up the production of electricity, we'll clean up the coal plants, we'll see them disappear. We'll see even natural gas begin to be pushed because natural gas releases methane. And methane is 20 times more potent than carbon dioxide. It disappears in the atmosphere over a period of years, unlike carbon dioxide. But we'll also see, see new technology come along to clean up the atmosphere. New technology to make even maybe coal, clean coal and clean gas. There are so many aspects of what's going on in terms of energy, and all of those are going to be investment opportunities. Energy. Oh, I was just going to say energy also makes me think of how I heat or cool my home. So what, what do you see in the change for how that takes place? We're already seeing home builders like Dwell who are building 100% energy-efficient homes. We're seeing some office buildings that are being built that have natural heating and natural lighting, but they have very little backup in terms of electricity and heating and cooling. We're seeing a significant shift in how homes and buildings are being made more energy-efficient and recycling of water recycling of, of light and energy. That's in, in homes. But everywhere we look, we're going to see more and more focus on energy efficiency and different sources of furnishing electricity. Solar, geothermal. There's a company called Alterock that has drilled into the the cauldron in around Bend, Oregon, and can furnish enough electricity for 250,000 homes just from geothermal energy, extracting the energy from the earth. And they've developed a way in which they can push water into the earth and then take it out the other side after having been heated. There's so many things going on and so many possibilities of change. And we're just at the beginning. We're going to see a, a decade or two decades of changes in all these areas. That's exciting. Richard, Richard Foster of Yale did the first study when he found that companies in the Standard and Poor's in 1920 had an average life of 70 years. Today, that's less than 15 years. We're going to see companies 10 years from now, which have not even been 
started this year. And they're going to address huge problems. If you look at Microsoft, it took 14 years from them to go from zero revenues to a billion dollars. It took Facebook and eBay seven years. It took Zynga four years to go from zero to a billion. We're going to see small companies. We're going to see large companies. We're going to see successful. And we're going to see some failures as well. That's so that, the landscape. I was just going to say, I was going to ask you a question saying, what do you see as far as financial opportunities coming out of all of what we just discussed? So um, can we keep talking about that part of it, the financial opportunities? Sure. You know, I've been doing this for 36 years. So my focus really is on the future. Thinking about the changes of, in technology, demographics, and lifestyles. If someone would have told you 15 years ago, prior to the Great Recession, that you would, either for business or for pleasure, fly into a different city, get into a stranger's car, who would take you to a stranger's house where you would stay, you would have laughed. But today, you know, the two largest taxi companies in the world own not a single taxi. The largest hotel chain in the world owns not a single hotel room. That's Uber and Lyft and Airbnb. It took technology to enable them to make that change. But in order to go beyond the technology, it meant a change in lifestyles. And when you look forward in each of these areas, it's changes in technology, changes in lifestyles, changes in demographics, which are changing where we're headed. You know, Time Magazine came out with the front page or the cover of the magazine a couple of years ago and said that year, the first baby had been born who was going to live to be 150 years old. Now, the oldest person we know of right now is lived to be 122. But that tells us that our life, life expectancy will probably continue to increase and life will get better and better. Uh, and those are going to be opportunities, you know, looking at technology, looking at demographics, looking at lifestyles and the changes that go on in those areas for investments, not looking backward, not looking at, at historical data but looking forward at what's coming and how it's going to happen. That's, it's, it's a bright future and it's a bright opportunity for those who are willing to take it. So when I started the podcast with you today, I did mention that you um, are in the financial field. So to wrap up our interview, what do you want to share with folks? Because you scared me when you said, you know, at some point people are going to live to 150. And I'm thinking, wow, right now in 2021, um, our projected lifespan is somewhere around mid 80s, both for men and women. And folks are going to, unless they're really diligent and have been planning and saving, a lot of folks are going to outlive their money. So, you know, as we get older, that sounds like it's, you know, I was like, oh my God, where are they going to get money to live to 150? So the person who's 65 today and in decent health, their, their expectancy is over 95. So that means half of the people will continue to live 
almost into their hundreds. And I have to tell you that I will soon be 78 years old. I feel that I'm getting close to middle age. Um, in the firm, we have people that are, are 50 and in their 20s because there's, there's reason for that and they'll carry on. But I'm, I'm still feeling active. I have no, I, no desire to retire. I, I love what I do and I do it really well. And I think there's going to be more and more people that do that. When my father was my age, he'd been dead for 17 years. He was looking forward, I can remember when he turned 61, he was looking forward to retirement at 62. And one of the options they had was a five-year annuity because most people when they retired didn't live much beyond the retirement. Today, there are any number of people who not only retire, they go on to a second career and maybe even a third career after retiring. We're living longer and we're enjoying life more and we're traveling. I have many, a number of clients who are already retired. They're visiting all sorts of areas all over the world. They're seeing the United States. They're visiting every state in the union. They're seeing every ballpark. They're going to every baseball park. They're living and enjoying their life. And they're in their 70s and 80s and 90s. I can remember as a person when I was in my 20s and heard somebody at 80 years old saying they were driving, being absolutely petrified that someone was driving at 80. Today, I'm almost there and I drive. I mean, I was pretty stupid and naive at 20. Um, but life is going to get better as we go along. And it's something that people have to provide for and understand. Having a financial plan where you run out of money at 100 years old is going to be a huge issue. One of the, the largest issues today is the number of, of elders that are being evicted from assisted living. It's a tragic situation. And it's because they've run out of money. It's important to consider and grow your funds, even in retirement. That's, that's what I want to do for my clients. That's what we want to do. That's why we have younger people. So even as I get to the point that I'm not doing as the same thing or doing it as effective, I've got people coming along who are going to be very, very effective and going to be superstars in this industry. Well, Mike, what I, we're going to have to wrap up and say goodbye. But what I would love to say is, number one, you're a wealth of information. And um, there is, we're going to have to do another podcast for sure, because there are other topics I would love for you to discuss with our listeners. And I love that you said what I believe, which is when we get older and, and any stage in our life, it's about enjoying life. So um, with that said, please tell our listeners your website and then we'll sign off. So the website is adamsfinancialconcepts.com and it is all about quality of life. Thanks for this, this chance to share. I think it's important to understand. And again, I will invite you back as another guest, but for today we'll say goodbye and everybody have a great day and we'll talk to you next week. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.